0: Dude, I was the first. You were the first person to ever, <laughs> ever invite me on the pod. I should look through all your other people because if you have encouraged as much growth in others people's business as you did in mine, holy cow!
1: Welcome to Stand Out, Get Noticed, the podcast that helps you speak and present with rock star confidence. I'm Christina Canters, your host and founder of the C Method Communication Skills Training. For free resources and to subscribe to the show, visit thecmethod.com. Hi there, Rockstar, and welcome to episode 97 of Standout Get Noticed. What you heard at the start there was a lovely testimonial from Nick Gray, my guest this week and the founder of Museum Hack, a company that runs renegade tours of top museums in the US. I first met Nick over two years ago when I had him as a guest on my first podcast and since then Museum Hack has exploded and Nick is now lauded as the guy who has made museums fun and has built a lucrative business in the process. So of course I had to get back on the show. In this episode, we're discussing how Nick and his Museum Hack tour guides make their tours so engaging and fun, and I know because I've been on a tour, especially when museums are so often perceived as being very, very boring. And this is important because if you need to present something at work or to a client, perhaps you need to present information that could also be perceived as boring. Or maybe it's very detailed and you want to present it clearly so that your audience doesn't feel overwhelmed or fall asleep. So there is a lot that we can learn from the success of Museum Hack. So I hope you enjoy. Show notes for this episode will be at thecmethod.com slash Nick. That's Nick spelled N-I-C-K. Also, just letting you know that from next week, I will be running a three-part public speaking mini course through this podcast. So if public speaking is a skill you're wanting to develop, make sure you tune in. I also have some new products launching along with that public speaking course. So I'll be excited to share that with you too. Okay, let's get to this conversation with Nick Gray from Museum Hack. We spoke, I think it was two and a half years ago, back in June 2014. And we, we spoke about getting a job in a small company. That was my very first podcast.
0: Which is freaking awesome. That was the first podcast that I was ever on. Christina, you are an early adopter.
1: Hmm. And we were talking about this earlier, actually. I I saw the museum hack sort of – I saw you on Instagram. I saw your about videos and I was like, what? A company that makes museum tours fun? Amazing. So, I jumped on a tour at The Met and that's where we met actually in person. Which
0: is awesome.
1: And I loved the tour so much. It was so much fun. And this is something I want to talk to you about today in that how you actually make – These make something that seems so boring into something that's really engaging and really, really fun. But first, I want to hear about how has Museum Hack grown since we last spoke in June 2014?
0: Museum Hack has grown. I, it's so cool because that literally you were the first person to ever invite me to be on a podcast. I was so nervous. I'm a little less nervous now, but still excited. Excited to be here. Um, and how's the company grown? Yeah. I guess when you first talked to me, 2000, what, 14? Yeah. We had a couple mm-hmm. of employees. Yeah. We had no full-time employees. We had a lot of like part-time staff. Well, now museum hack. There are so many smarter people in the company than me, and they have just really helped it grow. We have about 50 people on our team. We're in four major cities, New York, Chicago, San Francisco, and Washington, and museums from all around the world, Norway, Switzerland, Australia, hire us to come and train them on how to do what we do. So it's pretty awesome. I'm very excited, and we're going to keep growing.
1: Well, wow, so your training... People who are, so they're not part of Museum Hack in these other countries?
0: In these other countries, no. They, the museums hire us to come and teach them, their staff, how to do storytelling training or how to attract young members or how to think about donor development programs, things like that.
1: Wow. And why do you think these museums in, you know, outside the, the states are, are calling to you to help them teach this?
0: We've identified something interesting, which is this audience that wants a new type of experience, right? Somebody who wants something that's non-traditional, that's fast-paced, and we've had success with that.
1: Well, I I mean, just on this, if you are in in uh, new york or chicago well the other two cities san fran
0: yeah new york chicago san francisco or washington dc
1: washington, uh, washington, some yeah. major
0: cities if you're coming on a united states visit you've got to check it out our tours are awesome they run every single weekend and sometimes during the week too
1: yeah and i can vouch for that definitely the most fun that i've ever had at a museum
0: Also, also, if you have second thoughts about it, yeah, full satisfaction guarantee. So if you're like, I don't know if I can (laughs) trust these two people, just go on the tour. We'll give you all your money back if you don't like it.
1: (laughs) Cool. So Nick, you mentioned storytelling there. I want to, I want to talk to you about, ask you about how you actually make museum information really interesting because i'm thinking people who are listening they might have to go into meetings they might have to give presentations and they might have to present and talk about information or a topic that is not potentially that interesting, either to them, maybe they have to present it or maybe they're excited, but they don't know how to present it in a way that is interesting to the people they're trying to convince. And I want to learn more about how you do it and how you teach your staff, your, tour, your awesome tour guides, and then other tour guides around the world how to do that as well. So where do we start when we have something that we could be construed as boring?
0: I like to boil it down to its simple parts. I, you know, I was talking to a guy today about financial planning and investments, and there's this investment vehicle called Bonds, B-O-N-D-S. Like, everybody's heard of what a bond is, but I have no freaking clue what a bond is. <laughs> my whole thing was, I was like, look, like the thing on Reddit, like, explain it like I'm five. Like, just tell mm-hmm. me how this works at the most basic level. And then once we explain it... You know, let's let's see if people have questions. Let's expound upon it then. I think the biggest buzzkill is when somebody goes off for like five minutes on a very complicated thing and they're just steamrolling their audience when they ought, aud- you know, it's about syncing up with your audience and meeting them where they are.
1: Do you think people are afraid of sounding like they're being patronizing if they simplify too much?
0: Hmm. You know, I've never thought about that before. I wonder if people think I'm patronizing because I do simplify things and talk about them. You know what? Let's not worry about it. Let's just start with, <laughs> start with the basics. You know, it's about reading your audience. You're good at that. Like knowing how somebody's reacting to your message, listening for vocal cues, watching body language. What do you think? How would you deal with like explaining a very complex financial thing?
1: Oh well, I usually ask them a question and then I gauge their response.
0: Mm, I so, like that.
1: Yeah. So, for example, if I was—I mean, I'm not very good with with uh, history pieces and stuff—but if I was explaining, and uh, say, an Egyptian piece of art, I would say, "Okay, so do you know about the ancient Egyptians and how they built the pyramids?" Then I would wait for someone to say, "Yeah." And then from there you go, well, in those pyramids, they created these chambers called blah, blah, blah. I love it. And you you take the next step. But if you say, okay, so you know how the Egyptians built the pyramids and if someone goes, uh, no, (laughs) then (laughs) you know you have to take a step backwards and go, okay, so the pyramids are blah, blah, blah.
0: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Exactly. That's how I
1: would do it anyway.
0: <laughs> and then usually on the second or third question, that's when we can start adding in the alien conspiracy theories.
1: <laughs> Tell me how you go about explaining your favorite piece of art.
0: Hmm. So right now, my favorite piece of art in the whole Metropolitan Museum of Art, every time I see it, like I love this piece. It's this broken sculpture broken face it's called fragment of a queen's face and because it is a sculptural object i'll visually describe you know just kind of what we're looking at i'll point out obvious things to ground people in the piece Right? i'd be like oh yeah look how shiny the lips are like look at the detail so that they're grounded in that object first and then i'll pull them away for some storytelling
1: so then, you get them to really focus on the different elements of the of the piece.
0: I do like to to first ground in it something simple, mm-hmm. something basic, and then let's pull back, as opposed okay. to some heady thing. No, boom, ground in it, make the connection, draw them in with that, and then now let's step back and let's get into our heads a little bit.
1: So what sort? How would you tell the story then of that particular piece?
0: Uh, so that particular piece, I would walk up and I would say, look, this. Is called fragment of the face of a queen it's one of my favorite pieces in the whole world come and walk up very close like walk so close to the box actually put your finger on the glass case because it's a tiny piece so I have them get very close to it um, and then when everybody's around I say look at the color of this right it's a very unique yellow gold thing That is a material called yellow jasper. And we talk about this rock called yellow jasper that is incredibly hard. It's like harder than marble, less hard than diamond, but still very hard. And I talk about what the unique properties are of yellow jasper. Number one, it was very rare at the time this was made. And number two, it was very hard to work with. Like so hard to work with. And I tell a story about the tools that would have been used to make it. Add in some humor, some jokes. Tell people why it inspires me, how I feel about it. Right to like ground it in my opinion, make it personal. Mm. And then I like to finish with like a mic drop moment, like something amazing, <laughs> something that like put a bows on it, but also blows their minds. Yeah.
1: And can I just say that I I have been there when you have described this piece to to the group that I was in. Yeah. And this this piece of art is so small it is very easy to just walk straight past it It and it's and it's amazing that you were able to actually draw so much detail and and share so much so many interesting things about this one tiny piece that is you know a minuscule part of of the met which has i don't know how many pieces are in the met
0: oh my god like two hundred and seventy thousand on display at any time but there's over 2 million in the collection
1: can you share with us your top tips for hacking a museum and having having the best time instead of getting all worn out and tired? Because oh, I know you did a video on this.
0: Oh, heck yes. I'm going to tell your audience. If you're listening right now and you want one actionable thing to take away from this about how to better visit a museum, I'm going to drop that pro tip knowledge right now. Uh, number one, as soon as you get to the museum, go get a map right like you got to get the map because you need to know what you're up against as soon as you get the map look at the floor plan and all i want you to do is just walk the entire floor plan all the way through don't stop and look at the art don't read the wall labels just walk the whole thing through to build in your mind the mental model of the space
1: oh so all the floors everything
0: all the floors Completely everything. After you've done that. that, Yeah, absolutely. Like your power walk in, you know, you're you're maybe making subtle mental notes or cues about what you want to come back to, but you're not looking at every single piece. Okay. And so you walk the whole floor, that'll take you ten to thirty minutes, depending on the size of the space. After that, this is very important. Go sit down, go to the cafe, have some food. Have some sugar, caffeine, glass of wine, relax a little bit because you're, you're refilling your body's energy stores after looking at all that art. And then once you're ready, now that you've walked the whole thing, you're ready to go back and you'll know where the best stuff or the things that you're interested in, at least, you know, Here's why this is the best technique. Most people go to a museum and they just look at it like from room one to room two to room three. And by the time they get tired and exhausted, they haven't even seen the whole thing. And sometimes they miss the best stuff. So this method Mm. really helps you to make sure you're going to spend your time where it matters.
1: I think so many people these days have a fear of missing out. Mm. As well. Mm. And I think there's this fear of, oh, but if I walk past everything really quickly, I'm not going to get to see it. And I really want to see it. Yeah. What do you say to people who have that fear?
0: You can always come back. You can always come back. And this method actually insists that you actually do come back. Because you're going to walk through the whole museum twice. First, the first time is you build your mental model. And then the second time, you literally get to come back and see the stuff.
1: Hmm. Cause yeah, I think if you just think, oh, I have to see everything, it's, mm. it's just not even going to happen. Mm. I know there's a, a stat of how long it would actually take you to, to get around the Met and see everything.
0: Yeah. So the Met, 270,000 objects. I think if you spent a minute at each object, I don't know, something like, like eight years or seven months, just <laughs> an inordinate <laughs> amount of time. It's crazy.
1: Nick. I love speaking to you because you are always so enthusiastic and excited about t- talking about museums and, and what you do. How important do you feel it is for your tour guides to, to also have this level of enthusiasm when they're running a tour?
0: I would say it is incredibly important. <laughs> <laughs> you know, enthusiasm is contagious. And so museums tend to be very quiet, boring, sleepy spaces. No offense. Museums, but that's just what they are. And our company is all about non-traditional renegade museum tours. Like we're going after people who don't like museums. And so to do that, we're providing fun adventures first and foremost. So for us, it's so important for people to have enthusiasm and excitement that communicates and really is contagious to our visitors.
1: When you're training people from other museums hmm. do you find that they have that same level of excitement as the as the people who work for museum hack
0: oh sometimes they have more many times they do not each person has a different style we have people on our team who are not as crazy and caffeinated as i am they <laughs> they have you know different levels of energy and it works for them right like their humor and their vibe is very different. And not, not everybody at Museum Hack is, is as crazy and silly as I am. They all have their own styles. But I think at the, at the basis of it is that everybody is so passionate and they, they're, they're very excited to share what they're excited about.
1: Is it possible to? sort of cultivate this excitement? Like if we step away from museums for a moment, you know, if someone has to speak at work or present something that this is part of their job that they right. have to do, that they're not right. necessarily naturally excited about it, yeah. what can they do to, to cultivate this, this enthusiasm in order to get other people excited as well?
0: We don't give our tour guides a script. We mm. make them write their own tours to talk about pieces that they are excited about because if i give them a script then then they're just going to be acting but if they Mm. pick the pieces if they come up with their own research and you know thematic overview then they can genuinely talk in their heart from a place of excitement and passion i guess that's what i would suggest you know talk from your sense talk what you are excited about if i was bringing back those those bonds and those financial instruments i would get excited about talking about them like i was to a five-year-old like what is the very basics of this that i could share
1: that's great nick thank you so much for joining me on the show this week is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience
0: i think museums are awesome i love you and your podcasts you're like the early adopter you always spot trends literally years ahead of other people um if any of your listeners want to send me a tweet i love to get tweets my name on twitter is at nick gray news and the name of my company is museum hack we share really funny stuff on facebook and instagram just search for museum hack
1: oh and congratulations on all the press that you've been getting as well in the in news articles and
0: thank you very much that one in the chicago tribune we were very proud of also a little scandalous but we're super pumped
1: (laughs) yeah definitely go check it out all right thanks nick big thanks to nick gray for sharing his insights on the show this week A key takeaway for me from this conversation was not to be afraid of stepping out of the box and doing something to shake up tradition. I mean, just because something's always been done the same way doesn't mean that it can't be differently. Okay, so think about how this could impact you and your organization. What can you do to break people's expectations and shake things up so that you can have your message heard and make more of an impact? Just something to think about. Anyway, I'll put links to how you can get in touch with Nick, plus his awesome video of how to hack museums yourself, I loved that video, in the show notes at thecmethod.com slash Nick. Now, before I wrap up, I do want to say a big thank you to Stockdale and Lego for having me speak at their annual conference yesterday. So Stockdale and Lego, if you're in the US, they're a major real estate company here in Australia, and they had around 250 real estate agents and portfolio managers at this conference. And I was so humbled to be speaking alongside some industry giants, including Naomi Simpson, the Red Balloon founder, she's also on Shark Tank, and Chris Helder, who I actually interviewed in episode 10 of this show, which was a couple of years ago. And I remember when I met him, I was thinking, wow, I wish I could speak at conferences like Chris. And two years on, we are sharing the same stage. So amazing so thank you to Stockdale and Lego for having me and if you were at that conference and you are now a new podcast listener welcome to the show I hope you enjoy it (laughs) and that is all from me this week thank you for spending some time with me today keep on being awesome and I'll talk to you next week don't forget it's the public speaking mini course my name's Christina Cantors and this has been Stand Out Get Noticed